0: welcome to the show if you are
1: tuning in this morning on kncw fm 92.7 okanagan country in north central washington and you're looking for something to do well head towards the border of canada and go fishing at a little lake east of oroville called sidley lake the reason why is because the oroville chamber of commerce is putting on an ice fishing derby there today registration is going on now and you can fish from 8 a.m to 1 p.m the biggest trout measured by length is going to win a $1,000 cash and prize package, and there's going to be additional prize and cash packages for other winners as well. Should be all sorts of fun there. Speaking of ice fishing tournaments, we're going to talk to Eric Cruz. He is also located in Okanagan County. He and his wife own the Bonaparte Lake Resort. And they are putting on an ice fishing derby on January 27th. That's two weeks from now. And that should be a whole lot of fun. They had a lot of people show up to their first annual ice fishing event last year, expecting a whole bunch more this year. And they've got some great prizes to give away and all sorts of different species of fish to catch too. So you'll want to stick around towards the end of the show to hear about that from Eric, who will give you all the details about that event. Again, it's the Bonaparte Lake Ice Fishing Derby on January 27th. What else do we have for you? Well, sticking in Washington State, Bob Loomis is going to tell you about a really good place to go fishing right now for kokanee, those landlocked sockeye salmon. There's a very good place to fish for them. And Bob's going to not only tell you where to go, but exactly how to catch these fish during the winter, too. We're talking 14 inch plus kokanee here. Those are some real big ones. It's not just all fishing, though, on the show this week. Oh, no, we're talking hunting, too. We've got Troy Rodakowski back on the line. He's that outdoors writer from Junction City, Oregon, who loves to go duck hunting. We'll kind of talk about how things have gone so far during this very mild fall and winter season and what he expects for the rest of the season going on through January. He'll give you some tips on how you can have some success on the water or in the field looking for some waterfowl. And from Oregon, we'll take you to Chalice, Idaho. That is the home of Mile High Outfitters. And we'll get to talk to the man who's been running that operation since 1995, Travis Bullock. The subject is going to be predator hunting this winter. We're talking about hunting for cougars. We're talking about hunting for wolves. And we're talking about spring bear hunting, too, once the season changes. Lots of opportunities, but not easy hunts at all. Travis will fill you in all the details. I think you're going to find this to be a fascinating discussion about some unique hunting opportunities in the gem state. What else do we have for you? Well, we're going to tell you about a whole bunch of sportsman shows and other shows taking place in Oregon, Washington, and Montana. In addition to this, we've got your Sportsman's Warehouse trivia question of the week. So let's get things started as we always do with another edition of Sportsman
0: Spotlight with David Sparks. Whoops! David Spark Sportsman Spotlight. Old friend and longtime Alaska resident outdoorsman, Chad Hood, tells a story of how not to prepare for a hunt.
2: A good learning experience. I was deer hunting in Hoonah, Alaska, west of Juneau, about 35 miles. I learned a lesson not to shoot too many deer in a day. My buddy and I, it was in August, and we were doing high alpine sika blacktail hunting. We were going to be out for a few nights, so we hiked up into the alpine country. And we got up about 4.30 in the morning, and I saw, I believe it was 14 bucks all feeding on the hillside. We were looking them over, and I picked a good one out and shot one. And it rolled down the hillside, did. And then they just stood there and started feeding again. So my buddy picked one out, shot it, and it rolled down the hillside. And they all just stayed there, kept feeding. So we decided that was pretty good. We'd just go deal with them and call it good. And we started walking towards there, and a big old buck came out. And I looked at him, and he looked at me. And I said to him, I said, are you going to shoot it or what? And he shot it. And so now we have three deer quite a ways from the vehicle just laying there. Turned out that day was the hottest day of the summer. It was 87 degrees up there. So up there, 87 feels like 100 down here. Then my buddy, he's about a buck 40, soaking wet. And I asked him, I said, what do you got for water? And he says, well, I brought up a bottle of lemonade and a pint of whiskey.
0: It was hellish, but they finally got the deer to the truck. If you look close enough, you can see the hidden potential within your fields that's why an agroliquid nutrition plan starts with the crop and identifies the precise combination of primary nutrients while focusing on the support of secondary and micronutrients. So every nutrient is working in harmony for your crop to reach its full potential, maximizing growth while offering lower use rates. Apply less, expect more? Precisely. Find an agroliquid dealer at agroliquid.com. The best place to reach a farmer with a farming solution message is when they're, well, farming. It's easy to find them during the day as most farmers are behind the wheel of their pickup truck or farm equipment with the radio on, listening to this station for the Ag Information Network of the West News. So reach real farmers right here, right now, as they listen to what's important to their farm operation. Give us a call and we'll connect you with our local farming community. They trust us, so they'll trust you. David Sparks, Sportsman Spotlight. John Cruz here, looking to improve your bottom line as a business that caters to outdoors
1: enthusiasts? You can do so for a very cost effective price by advertising on America Outdoors Radio. I will tailor a marketing campaign for you, reaching hundreds of thousands of listeners every weekend, tuning into our show on 135 stations in 33 states. We've got a sponsor opening right now, so contact me through my website at americaoutdoorsradio.com and let's talk about helping you. Welcome back to Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. Got one of my favorite guests on the line. That would be outdoors writer Troy Rodakowski. He's also the man behind the Wine Chronicles on Facebook. Troy, welcome back to the show. Hey, John. Thanks for having me back, man. It's really great to talk with you. Well, I want to talk about late-season duck hunting, but before we do, we've got to talk about a picture I saw on your personal Facebook page at Troy Rodakowski that showed a trifecta in the bag, a pheasant, a chucker, and a quail. Is this something that happened recently?
3: You know what? It actually happened about a year ago, but it was was a great day. It was over in... uh, Far east Oregon, between gentura and Vale, you know, and we were actually over just pheasant hunting, but we decided after we shot our couple roosters to go try a couple different spots for chucker, and there happened to be some quail there, and we ended up with some quail and chucker, and it was it's pretty rare to get all three in one day, but we were lucky enough to uh, you know actually bag a few of each species, and it was fantastic. And I owe most of the credit to my dog. He's a great dog. He's eight years old. I've had him a long time. He's great upland. GSP, and he's the one that does all the real hard work.
1: Well, I've got to admit, I've never gotten a trifecta. I've gotten pheasant and quail. I've gotten quail and chucker. I've even gotten grouse and quail, but never all three in one hunt. So that sounds like all sorts of fun. Let's turn to duck hunting. Up here where I'm at, in the Columbia Basin of eastern Washington, it's been a bit challenging because the weather has been so mild. We haven't had any wind. It hasn't been cold. We haven't seen fresh birds in a long time. How's it going in the Willamette Valley? You know, there's spots of the Willamette Valley that actually have a lot of birds right now, but,
3: you know, those birds have been focused on areas with good feed and good areas for them to roost, so they don't travel really far, and they're old birds from earlier in the migration. You know, we haven't had any Rough, uh, cold winter to push any more fresh birds down, so to speak. There's a lot of them held up on the Columbia or northern portions of Washington and even up there. You know, we haven't had any Arctic blasts yet this year or any really serious storms to push the major birds through. We have had, a, you know, here in the last few days, some more pintails and teal showing up, but it's been
1: a tough season so far. So you lease some land in the Willamette Valley, and it's a flooded field. Is that one of the places these ducks are coming to, or have they wised up? Well, yes,
3: they do come through a couple of the areas where I do lease, but there's also some uh, additional lease land adjacent to that, and there's also some land that, you know, they don't allow any hunting on that's actually there for wildlife enhancement. And so these birds find those areas, and once they find feed, because once a certain area is fed out, and they find fresh feed, like a, for example, a flooded ryegrass field, you know, the widgeon and the pentail will focus on that flooded ryegrass field until that water recedes, and we had a lot of surface water up to the last couple of weeks and when it dried out, and that's where those birds were spending the majority of their time.
1: Forecasters are predicting that it will get cooler as we continue into January, so let's talk about what that means for a late season duck hunter. What do you suggest?
3: Well, what it means is, we're probably going to get some fresh birds down the fresh birds have probably been hunted on their way down anyway and by late season all the birds are pretty wise so you gotta you know you gotta focus on your decoy setups you gotta focus on your calling you don't want to overcall, and you don't want to put out too many decoys or not enough you got to kind of gauge what the birds and how big the flocks are and what they're doing and uh you know their their travel patterns and finding places that they like to go. And scouting is like the biggest thing. You're not going to just go out there and throw some decoys out somewhere in a puddle and have any luck. And, you know, late season duck hunting, it's difficult. So if you come away with a good bag of birds late in the season, you need to pat yourself on the back. And you'll have to put a little work in, but it's it's worth it.
1: Let's talk a little bit about the decoys. How much is enough? I mean, when it, we talked earlier, earlier in the season, sometimes less is more. But this time of year, you are getting bigger flocks if you get these pushes of birds. in. are we talking like a couple dozen decoys at a minimum? A couple dozen decoys is usually the standard. You know, there's certain times, you know, late in the season that
3: I'll only put about six or eight decoys out, depending on the size of the water or the body of water I'm hunting. If it's a big open area where there's thousands or hundreds of thousands of birds coming in, big flocks of birds, you know, then I'll set up a bigger, bigger spread, you know, if, if that's what it takes to get those birds attracted to, let's say, a big area of surface water. So basically, each instance is its own little, uh, you know, you got to make the call on each little instance for, for what you're going to do as far as decoys and strategize
1: that way. Do you change the size of your shot in the late season versus the early season?
3: Absolutely. So one of the places I hunt... I use, early in the season, I'll use number fours because I shoot a lot of teal, shoot a lot of birds at really close range. Later in the season, I'll go to twos or triple Vs because you'll get some shots at geese, you'll get some longer shots at mallards. So you got to have a little bit heavier shot, you know, and you can actually reach out there a little bit further. Some of the shots might be a little further, obviously, than earlier in the season. So yes, uh, I definitely do, and it's all situational dependent, you know. I got to kind of think ahead of time and say, hey, most of my shots today are probably going to be between 30 and 40 yards or 40 plus, and then, you know, take the appropriate shells at that time.
1: All right. That's more than fair. Any other tips you would have for this end of season waterfowling period?
3: Like I said, I think the biggest tip is get out and scout and knock on people's doors because, you know, that's where you're going to find your best hunting. That's where, you know... You're going to locate the birds and figure out a game plan. You know, if you you wing it, no pun intended, you're probably not going to have a successful day. So that's my biggest piece
1: of advice for late season waterfowl. I think you should have intended the pun. I think wing it was just perfect for duck hunting. Last but not least, (laughs) final question for you. You always have articles coming out in one publication or another. Where can we find some good stuff from Troy Rodakowski in the near future?
3: So I'll have a cougar hunting, uh, muzzleloader cougar hunting story in Muzzle Blast Magazine coming out in February. I've got a spring bear coming up in Oregon Hunter. I've currently got a couple uh, articles in Oregon Hunter on duck hunting for the late season veteran hunt, and also uh, an upland article on Oregon quail
1: hunting. Well, that's plenty, and... I guess there is one more thing. I understand you and another frequent guest on this show, outdoors writer Gary Lewis from Central Oregon, are heading down to SHOT Show. Tell our listeners about this huge trade show.
3: Uh, It's one of the biggest in the world. It's great to go down. You know, there's so many new products and lots of people, and it's going to be probably one of the better ones here in the last couple years since, you know, COVID kind of hampered just about every show there was. So, you know, we're both looking forward to go down and see a bunch of old friends and, meet new people and it's just a great place to go invest in our industry and, and uh, get together with people and have a good time.
1: It's the Shooting Hunting Outdoor Trade Show held every January in Las Vegas, Nevada and it attracts up to 60 plus thousand people and none of them are just regular consumers. It's not a consumer show. These are all people in the industry. So we're talking about retailers manufacturers law enforcement military and outdoors media as well and they all get together and a lot of stories are told and a lot of stories are made so i'm not going to make it this year but you have fun down there troy and thanks for sharing all of this with us today on northwestern outdoors radio
3: well thanks john we'll miss you down there and thanks for having me on the show man i I love talking with you as always
1: love having you on John Cruz here. As you know, I love tournament bass fishing. I'm going to be fishing three tournaments being put on by Limit out performance marine this year two of them are pro-ams i'm gonna be fishing from the back of the boat as an amateur angler these are two-day tournaments and each day i'll be fishing with a pro with the idea of becoming not only a better angler but also competing and winning because i'm sharing my weight with the pro i fish with each day if you are an experienced boater and angler and want to participate as a pro you might actually get the chance to win a boat at one of these program tournaments the dates for the two programs are April 25th and 26th and June 6th and June 7th. The location for both, Mardon Resort at Potholes Reservoir in Eastern Washington, one of the best bass fishing lakes in the western United States. I'm also going to be fishing the Big Bass Tournament. That one's May 4th and May 5th, also at Potholes Reservoir. And this is what I call even a blind squirrel can find a big nut sometimes, and that could be you as well. So, join me for the Big Bass Tournament and the Pro-Am Tournaments. Find out more at the Limit Out Performance Marine Facebook page and contact Russ Baker at Limit Out Performance Marine for further details. Are you looking to reel in the marketing opportunity of a lifetime? Then set the hook because we've got it
0: right here for you. America Outdoors Radio has sponsorships available, and we offer affordable platforms to reach thousands of listeners interested in fishing, hunting, and the outdoors. Find out more by contacting John Cruz through his website at americaoutdoorsradio.com. That's americaoutdoorsradio.com.
1: Hurry, though. If you wait too long, the big opportunity might get away.
0: Welcome back to Northwestern Outdoors Radio and to an extended Max Minute, brought to you by Max Lure.
1: It's a new year, and it's time for a new Max Minute, brought to you by Max Lure. With us to ring in the new year is Bob Loomis. Bob, happy new year, my friend. Same to you, John. Let's talk about winter kokanee fishing. I haven't heard anything about Lake Roosevelt this winter, which is unusual, but I understand you've got some intel about Lake Chelan in north-central Washington.
4: Yeah, Lake Chelan is, is actually fishing real well this year, and they're catching some decent fish, really good size fish.
1: Are so, we talking like 12, 13 inches?
4: We're talking 14s and 15s even.
1: Wow, that and, is some very good fish. And what's the limit up there at Lake Chelan these days?
4: It's still 10 All right, per
1: But still, uh, 10 kokanee, that's pretty good. How do you go about catching them this time of year?
4: Well, you know, John, most of these fish, because we don't have the sun... Creating the zooplankton, fish feeding up towards the surface. So, the fish in Chelan, Chelan's kind of an anomaly. It's one of the only kokanee fisheries that really fishes well year-round. And right now, these fish are way down deep down on the thermal climb. They're between 100 and 150 feet deep. So, you know, the products that I would chase fish with right now and a lot of the people are, are, are uh, four-inch glow sling blades, which basically, you know, they are glow. And a a kokanee killer which has a glove hook on it those things work tremendously well this time of year
1: what color for the uh, kokanee killer
4: on Chelan, only color is orange
1: <laughs> okay good to know so break out the downrigger ball and get trolling for some of those kokanee what speed do you troll at for these fish
4: this time of the year we're running slow we're running down into one 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 two at the max just because of the fact those those fish you know, let's face it, it's cold. They're lethargic. They don't want to chase stuff. But when you see stuff like that, you know, it draws their attention. And in turn, they're going to go up and take a look at it. But
1: Well, Lake Chelan, wonderful destination, especially if you're itching to get your boat out on the water. Troll up some kokanee. Very tasty landlocked salmon. You're going to love them. Get the gear you need for success at MaxLure.com or a sporting goods store near you. The Sling Blade is Max Lure Company's latest dodger for you to use. Lance Mers is with us from Max Lure Company to tell you more about it. Why are you so excited about the Sling Blade? Versatility, John. You can bend the Sling Blade and change it from a reactionary bite to a normal bite, and it's got so many possibilities. Not only that, it comes in different sizes. You can use the Sling Blade for everything from trout and kokanee all the way to ocean-going salmon. It's the Sling Blade. Look for it at MaxLure.com.
0: This year, resolve to immerse yourself into the great outdoors. Whether you're learning to hunt, fish, hike, camp, paddle, or grill, or are looking to take yourself to the next level, the place to go for the gear you need is Sportsman's Warehouse. With over 145 stores around the nation, Sportsman's Warehouse is truly America's premier outfitter. Find a store near you or shop online anytime at sportsmans.com. That's sportsmans.com for Sportsman's Warehouse. (laughs)
1: You're back in with Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. We're heading to Chalice, Idaho. That's where you're going to find Travis Bullock and his family. They own Mile High Outfitters, and they offer all sorts of hunts near the Frank Church Wilderness and the Front Range in front of it. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of the opportunities they have this winter and this spring. Travis, welcome to the show. Thank you, John. Thank you for having me. How long has Mile High Outfitters been around?
5: I think I was 25 years old when I bought the business in 1995, so whatever that is.
1: That's a minute. We'll put it that way. And you basically offer hunts throughout the hunting season, from fall all the way to spring, don't you?
5: We do. You know, we start off in the wintertime with mountain lion and wolf hunts, and then when spring time comes, we do a few spring bear hunts, and then we do some fishing trips in the summer, both high mountain lakes and stream fishing. But the bread and butter of our business is in the fall for the elk and the deer hunting. That's where the most demand is at.
1: Well, today, let's go ahead and talk about your winter opportunities, and let's start off with your hunts for cougars. You know, we've got listeners in Oregon and Washington who don't really have much of a shot at a cougar unless it's incidental while they're hunting deer or elk because hounds are not allowed, And but that really helps the success rate when you're hunting in Idaho, doesn't it?
5: Oh, definitely. In fact, I think it was uh, 1996, if I remember right, when Oregon and Washington shut down their hound hunting, and we had a huge influx of hunters, hound hunters, coming into Idaho. And shortly thereafter, Idaho had to make some adjustments in their regulations because there was such an influx of people coming in.
1: Well there's a influx of hunters that came into Idaho but there's certainly an influx of cougars that have proliferated in Oregon and Washington because of that hunting ban with hounds. Let's talk a little bit about the two hunts you offer. You have a, a wilderness hunt and a front range hunt. What's the difference?
5: Well, the front range hunt, basically we have people stay in our house or lodge, whatever you want to call it, and then we just use snowmobiles, ATVs. It's kind of a motorized hunt. It's a little easier. You know, like I said, it's based out of our house. The wilderness hunt probably my favorite hunt. Success rates on lions aren't quite as good just because you can't travel as fast with horses and cover as much country, but it's still a more unique hunt. You're, you know, it takes us two days to ride our horses into the middle of the wilderness and then we fly our customers in have a snow plow, a horse drawn snow plow and a team of horses and we'll plow the runway off, get the airplanes in there to fight the hunters in. And then we just spend six days hunting for wolves and mountain lions on horseback. And then we take a few incidental bump caps and, and coyotes as well.
1: And you actually post your success rates on your website, which I think is, is fantastic. You don't just have testimonials who say we have this percentage of success rate. But you do have a pretty high percentage of success rate. And even when hunters don't harvest a cougar, it's often because they decide to pass on it for various reasons or they just can't make the shot.
5: You know, and, and sadly, you know, America has got such an obesity problem. I don't know if you've read very deep into my website, but I do everything I can to lead out the people that just can't walk. Because, you know, once you turn those helms with you've got to get to the tree. And a lot of times, we'll get older, so, you know, old age kind of catches up with us. And, and sometimes you just can't get there, but so much of it is just obesity. And, and I hate to be mean, but I just don't want to hurt people's feelings when they get out there and tell them, you know, you just can't make it. So, yeah, it's tough. Once you turn those dogs loose, you just don't come home until you got your dogs back.
1: You know, I completely understand. And I think people ought to know that going in. question that most people never consider is how cougar tastes. I've had it before. I think it's one of the most <laughs> delicious big game meals that you can have.
5: It's not bad. and you know, I joke because it actually, it does taste good. Just don't tell me what it is and, and I'll eat it all day long. <laughs> but there's something about cat hair, you know, and you have a hard time keeping hair off the meat. Anybody that's ever got a deer or an elk, you know there's always going to be a little bit of hair. But there's something about cat hair getting on the meat that just kind of turns my stomach. The reality is, is it's actually a light colored meat. If you had to put it next to, uh, you know, judge it next to any other animal that we normally eat, it would look a lot like pork. In fact, I had a client one time that run the catering business and uh, he took some home, and while he was gone on vacation, his crew got into the freezer, served up his mountain lion at a wedding, and he had no idea until he got home. And they had no idea that it got served at the wedding. So, whatever the wedding couple was, I'm sure they, they ate it and never knew that that's what they had.
1: Oh, that's a great story. That's a fantastic story. Let's talk about wolf hunting. It opened up in 2009 in Idaho. Idaho certainly has a very healthy population of wolves and an extended season for them as well. But they're not easy to hunt at all, are they?
5: They're very difficult. They are, without a doubt, the most difficult animal that we have here in Idaho because they're just so tough. I mean, mountain lions would be the most elusive if you weren't allowed to use dogs. But, you know, because you can use hounds, you actually are able to harvest mountain lions and we can keep them under control as far as, you know, our predators go. But wolves, they reproduce so fast and they're a difficult animal to, to find or to spot. And they're a difficult animal to put down. You know, just because you get led into them doesn't mean that you're going to get them down. So, yeah, they they are a difficult animal. And, you know, the two areas, you mentioned that before, we have two areas of operation. The one, we use motorized equipment. It's pretty tough to sneak in on a wolf on a snowmobile or a four-wheeler. But in the wilderness where we're using the horses, it's actually a lot easier. Having said that, it's still a very tough hunt. You know, you're hoping that you get one opportunity in a week's time.
1: Not only that, I noticed on your website, you have great descriptions of your hunts and what's required to be successful. You really encourage folks to be competent long-range shooter when it comes to wolves, don't you?
5: I do. That's the one thing that I actually aggressively push for long-range shooting. I'm not big on long-range shooting for elk and deer because I don't like seeing wounded elk and deer. And not that I want to see any animal get wounded. But it's just wolves have a tendency to hang up out there at like 700 yards or farther. And if you're a confident 1,000-yard shooter, this is the one place where that comes into play. A lot of times you just can't sneak in any closer. They'll be out there on an open hillside, They'll be howling with you. Might be a whole pack of them. They'll be over there, you know, frolicking on the hillside in front of you, but you just can't get closer. So this is the one time that long-range shooting is really beneficial for a hunter.
1: Well, Travis, I hate to tell you this, but it looks like you and I are never going to go wolf hunting because I am not a competent long-range shooter.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm not either. You know, I I talk real big as a guide. It's real easy to be the guide and point and say, there it is, but, you know, it's tough to keep the adrenaline down and to carry all of the equipment that you need for long-range shooting and do a good job of it on horseback
1: let's transition to spring i know you're probably booking now for spring bear hunts something that again washington hunters don't have an opportunity to do anymore under the current fish and wildlife commission in washington state tell us a little bit about these
5: Again, we have a couple different areas of operation, so we do one spring bear hunt out in our front range where we just take ATVs up there and set people on baits. The other one is in the wilderness where we combine it with wolf hunting because the wolf season goes, you know, it's most of the year now. So we can hunt bear in April and hunt wolves at the same time. So, again, that's probably my favorite one. It's a little more expensive, it's definitely harder to, to do that hunt because you've got to be in good shape. You know, you're riding horses every day, you're hiking up and down the mountains every day. It's a camp horseback hunt. So, yeah, it is more difficult, but it's, it's more rewarding too.
1: The front range hunt near Chalice, that one is, you know, hunting over bait, uh, which is very effective. It, it is. But the, the wilderness hunt, is this more of a spot and stock hunt for the, the spring bear?
5: It is. You know, you're howling from wolves, but you're spotting and stalking those bears. You know, they, if you've ever hunted bears before, you know that they'll be in, when they den, they usually den on a north face, or at least they do in our country. And so when they first pop out of the dens, they are pretty lethargic. They don't move around a lot. So, you know, the season opens there mid-April, depending on what unit you're in, but usually around mid-April. And, uh, you know, when you first spot those bears, a lot of times you just see this black spot there kind of in the timber, and it doesn't really move all And after a while, you know, it might sit there for a couple hours and do nothing, and all of a sudden it'll get up and move around a little bit. But like I said, they're lethargic when they first come out of their dens. They don't move around a lot, and uh, that's where we usually find them is on those north faces.
1: All right. Last question for you. What's your website so folks can book a hunt with
5: you? com.
1: All right, folks, that's Travis Bullock, the owner of Mile High Outfitters. The website to go to milehighoutfitters.com, whether you're after winter cougar or wolf or spring bear, he's got that and a whole lot more for you. Check out the website, milehighoutfitters.com. Travis, thanks for sharing this with us today on Northwestern Outdoors Radio. Thank you for having me. shows in the Northwest are coming your way this winter with hundreds of exhibitors and deals waiting for you. It kicks off with the Washington Sportsman Show January 31st through February 4th at the Washington State Fair Event Center in Puyallup. Be sure to check out the Addicted Fishing Mega Bash movie premiere, the annual Head and Horns competition, the Kids Trout Pond and a special appearance from Randy Newberg who will also be at the Pacific Northwest Sportsman Show. That's happening at the Expo Center in Portland February 14th through the 18th He'll be joined there by the Born and Raised Outdoors crew, Addicted Fishing, and the meat-eater himself, Steve Ranella. You'll also want to check out the huge kayak pond and sail going on, as well as the Ladies' Day Out on Friday with Candy Al, and don't miss the Loop Bold Movie Night on Saturday. Find out more about both shows at thesportshows.com. That's sportshows.com. We'll see you there. You, baby. Hey, guys, stop. Grab bait and listen. Ice is on the lake, so we're going. Shit. With me is my best friend Mike We're hitting Lake Poigan for the trophy fight Will I catch a perch? perch Hey, I guess so I got some new jigs and a brand new Zebco I loaded up the truck with all my new gear Mike got the bait I bought the beer Coros. I got a nice pair of boots To go with my hat my blazor suit But, but that ain't, ain't enough. enough So I chew and three pair Of heavy duty flannel thermal underwear Drilling The ice is half a foot thick hey. My gas powered ice auger ought to do the trick hey. If I want to eat prep, I gotta catch dinner. Drop my line in the hole with the minnow and the spinner You're back in with Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. We're checking in with Eric Cruz. He's the co-owner of the Bonaparte Lake Resort in north central Washington. He's ice fishing right now, but not on Bonaparte Lake. No, he's out at Devil's Lake in South Dakota. Eric, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So I know you just drove out there, but Devil's Lake, very well known. For its perch, for its walleye, and for its pike, how's the fishing so far under the ice?
6: Well, fishing's been a little bit slow, and talking with the locals, you know, I got quite a bit of intel out here, and bites have been a little bit slow for everybody. I mean, you're marking fish and you seeing fish, but they've just been real finicky, so haven't really got into a big slug of fish like we're expecting, but... But it's been fun. It's cold and windy and <laughs> everything you expect out in North Dakota.
1: <laughs> no kidding. Well, let's talk about the Ice Fishing Derby you've got coming up at Bonaparte Lake on January 27th. That's a Saturday, folks. This is the second annual Ice Fishing Derby you've got. Tell our listeners a little bit more about first year. Let's talk about how
6: things went last year. Yeah, just, you know, we've had that resort for, I think this is our 14th year. And, you know, ice fishing is really taken off the last couple years and i've been an avid ice fisherman for a long time so you know people kept on asking oh when are you going to have a tournament when are you going to have a tournament so i kind of threw it together last year in like about five weeks and which my wife thought I was crazy and you know and we ended up getting such an outpouring of support from our sponsors and you know so much interest from from people that you know we ended up having 541 entries in our tournament last year and it was just it just blew us away and I, I believe we ended up being the, the biggest ice fishing tournament in Washington State last year so I just you know it was kind of crazy to tell you the truth. Oh, that's
1: very impressive, 541 entries, that's absolutely amazing. So let's talk about what's happening this year, and we'll start off by breaking down the different divisions you have. So there's three divisions, one for the biggest fish, there's one for multi-species, and there's one for you. Go ahead and tell us about these three. Yeah,
6: so we got the biggest fish, and we have a multi-species. biggest fish obviously is you know you come in with the biggest fish and you're going to win that one but the multi-species so there's five species of of fish in the lake up there and you're going to have to catch three of the five species to be able to come in and weigh your bag and the biggest bag is what will win that division and then you know we got the kids and the kids you know that's that's who it's mainly about is the kids and that's the biggest fish and we pay out the I think we're doing 10 spots this year for those kiddos, so.
1: Let's talk about the species of fish you have. So, I, I know you've got rainbow trout. I know you've got tiger mm-hmm. trout. Some pretty big ones. You've got smallmouth bass. You've got kokanee. What's the other species?
6: Yeah, well, let me run them down on my head. I know you just said some of them, but yeah, the rainbow trout, eastern brook trout, tiger trout, kokanee, and smallmouth bass. Oh, That's in the, in the Mackinac Lake trout. That's right. There's there's the Mackinac Lake trout, so. Okay. So on the
1: multi-species, you've got to weigh in three. Is it the biggest three you weigh in? Mm-hmm. Is that how it works?
6: Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's kind of going to be up to you. You know, last year, barometric pressure kind of fell out, and fishing was kind of a little cruddy, you know. It was a little cuff for people, but, you know, so some people had a couple of nice fish, and they just happened to catch, like, a little kokanee that might have weighed eight, nine ounces, but they brought it in just to make the, you know, to make that cut.
1: <laughs> I get it. Well, I get it. So let's talk a little bit about the prizes because you've definitely upped your game this year with support from your sponsors. I understand Shields really stepped up for you.
6: Yeah, we've got two $450 Shield gift cards uh, coming, and that'll be for a first place kids and one of the first place adult division ones. That's going to be for a float suit, and then Eric Magnusson he's, uh, he's a pretty well-known ice fisherman. He's sponsored by Vlexlar and Clam, and, and he, uh, he went above and beyond, and he's donating a, a Vlexlar flasher, and so that'll be another first-place prize in one of those adult divisions.
1: Eric but, uh, is a good man. We've had him on the show several times to talk about ice fishing. Let's talk a little bit more about the tournament itself. So you can register now on your Facebook page at Bonaparte Lake Resort, or you can show up on the 27th between 5.30 and 9.30 a.m. and register on site. You have to have a wristband to compete. Uh, Is that right?
6: Yeah, yeah. Everybody that registers online, you're still going to have to come in in the morning. And That's why we're open up at 5.30, and, and you'll want to get a wristband. I kind of I roll it that way because that's how I've just... Uh, we do it down there at Cascade Lake, Idaho, fishing for those jumbo perch during their tournament, and it kind of keeps it so it's legit, you know, you know that... The person's who he is and whatever. But you have registration that you can still register that morning. You know, it's, everything's on the computer this uh, this year. We went with SimpleDerby.com, and, and they built us a nice little platform to make things a little bit easier and move along, so... Everything should work out just fine. I'm hoping it's smooth as last year, because last year really went smooth. I think that's going to keep a lot of people coming back, you know, as long as the tournament itself runs smooth, people will be happy. Well,
1: obviously, people can stay at the resort, but if you have over 500 anglers, I'm guessing you can't accommodate that many, can you?
6: No, no. No. Yeah, funny thing is, is, you know, we were booked up by the end of last year's tournament as far as our cabins go. If I would have had 200 cabins, I probably would have had every one of them filled. But we have a list on our Facebook uh, page and and it sells local lodging, you know, within Republic and Conaskat. You know, some people even stay down in Omak at the 12 Drive, you know, you know. But uh, yeah, I wish I could accommodate everybody. We do have some RV spots left open and stuff, and, you know, so people can bring their RVs up. We had people camp on the ice last year.
1: Oh my gosh. So, I also understand, well, I know, don't understand, I I know from a friend of mine, you've got a a great restaurant. I'm guessing you're probably not serving up prime rib uh, the day of the tournament that you're very well known for, but is the restaurant open? Can folks come in and warm up? Oh, yeah, the
6: restaurant's going to be open Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and we are doing prime rib on Saturday night, so... All right. After the tournament, man, if people want to make reservations and get in there for some of our famous smoked prime rib, they better do it.
1: (laughs) And and folks, the the prime rib at Bonaparte Lake Resort, it is known far and wide as a delicious, delicious prime rib meal. So take advantage of that if you're going to be at the ice fishing derby. All right, anything else that folks need to know?
6: No, hey, we're looking forward to everybody coming out and having another great tournament. I can't say enough how just you know, how grateful we are for all of those sponsors that really stepped up this year, right? You know, without local small business and these other sponsors, I mean, you know, this kind of stuff wouldn't be possible. So, I just got to say thank you to all of them again. And folks, some of those sponsors
1: include Upper Valley Realty, Two Sisters Vehicle Licensing, the Brewster Salmon Derby, High Mountain Homes, Plaw Auto Exchange, and of course, the presenting sponsor... Bonaparte Lake Resort. So go to the Bonaparte Lake Resort Facebook page and find out the details about participating in the Bonaparte Lake Second Annual Ice Fishing Derby. It's January 27th. The entry fee is $15 for adults, $15 for kids. If you want to do the multi-species, it's $30. You'll be fishing from 5.30 a.m. The weigh-ins are 7.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. It's going to be a ton of fun. going to be a lot of folks out there. And with any luck, you'll come home with a prize, maybe even the grand prize, which is cash. And like I said, some of those big prizes from Shields and from other places as well. Eric, thanks for sharing this with us today on Northwestern Outdoors Radio. Thank you very much, John. It's Eric Cruz, folks. I'm sorry about the audio quality there. It's a little windy out on Devil's Lake where Eric was fishing. Let's head out of this segment the same way we came into it with a little bit of ice fishing music from Shad Rap. If I want to eat got to catch my line in the hole with the the spinner. Wintertime is showtime in the Pacific Northwest, and we've got a great lineup of shows for you from O'Loughlin trade shows. Things kick off in Portland at the Expo Center, January 10th through the 14th. That's where the Portland Boat Show is taking place. There'll be all sorts of boats on sale to include the largest display of aluminum boats you're going to find perhaps in the entire nation in one place. Right after that, it's the Tacoma RV Show at the Tacoma Dome, January 18th to the 21st. Dozens of dealers will have RVs available for you, and BECU will be there to help you finance the RV of your dreams. It's the Portland Boat Show and the Tacoma RV Show. Find out more at otshows.com.
0: This year, resolve to immerse yourself into the great outdoors. Whether you're learning to hunt, fish, hike, camp, paddle, or grill, or are looking to take yourself to the next level, the place to go for the gear you need is Sportsman's Warehouse. With over 145 stores around the nation, Sportsman's Warehouse is truly America's premier outfitter. Find a store near you or shop online anytime at sportsmans.com. That's sportsmans.com for Sportsman's Warehouse.
1: John Cruz here looking to improve your bottom line as a business that
0: caters to outdoors
1: enthusiasts. You can do so for a very cost-effective price by advertising on America Outdoors Radio. I will tailor a marketing campaign for you, reaching hundreds of thousands of listeners every weekend, tuning into our show on 135 stations in 33 states. We've got a sponsor opening right now, so contact me through my website at AmericaOutdoorsRadio.com and let's talk about helping you.
0: Before we go today, we've got time for one last shot of Northwestern Outdoors Radio with your host,
1: John Cruz. I'm glad you're back because it's time to tell you about some sportsman shows going off here in the Northwest. Now, if you were listening to the ads, you heard that the Portland Boat Show is actually going on this weekend and it runs through Sunday. If you're in the market for a boat, particularly a sport fishing boat, they've got a huge selection. You don't want to miss out head down to the expo center today if you're looking for an rv instead of a boat like we said during the commercials the tacoma rv show is happening later this week january 18th through the 21st the tacoma dome financing available by becu and there's going to be some great deals there on the sportsman show front in billings montana at the metro park expo center is the great rocky sports show Always a good one. It's been going on for years. And one of the features of this one is the opportunity to meet the Birdman and his amazing falconry show. Find out more at greatrockyshow.com. The week after that, if you are anywhere near the Tri-Cities, you'll want to take in the Tri-Cities Sportsman Show going off January 26th through the 28th at the Hapbo Center in Portland. I'm going to be there part of the time manning the Northwest Outdoor Writers Association booth. Would love to chat with you either about that organization full of outdoors media members and aspiring outdoors media members or just about the radio show, your choice. You can find out more about that one at shulerproductions.com backslash tri and then I will be at the Washington Sportsman Show actually putting on a seminar there as well about some places you may want to go fish to that you might not have thought of in the Evergreen State this coming year. I'll also have a booth there promoting America Outdoors Radio and Northwestern Outdoors Radio, and we'll be telling you about a new station in Seattle that's going to be airing our show too. That's right. We're already airing on KJR 93.3. That would be the Pacific Northwest edition of America Outdoors Radio, but soon... You're going to be able to hear Northwestern Outdoors Radio in Seattle proper, something we've never been able to do before. Very excited about that. The dates for the Washington Sportsman Show, that's January 31st through February 4th, and the location is the State Fair and Expo Center at the Puyallup Fairgrounds. Now, while you're at these sportsman shows, you'll definitely want to look for some great deals, but if you don't find what you're looking for, head on down to your local sportsman's warehouse store. They've got them in the Tri-Cities. They've got them in Puyallup. They've got them in Billings and all sorts of other locations too. And there's a clearance sale going on right now you'll want to take advantage of if you're looking for some great deals. You can also shop online anytime at sportsman.com. And now it's time for your Sportsman's Warehouse trivia question of the week. Last weekend was the FCS College Football Championship between the University of Montana Grizzlies and South Dakota State. And South Dakota State trounced the Grizzlies quite handily. You wouldn't think so for the mascot, but it's true, and that's your question. What is the mascot for South Dakota State University? I'm pretty sure our listeners tuning in to KBFS out of South Dakota probably know the answer to this. But for the rest of you, if you have to look it up, I understand. And once you do, go ahead and contact me, either directly at john at northwesternoutdoors.com or through my website at northwesternoutdoors.com. And again, let me know what is the mascot for South Dakota State University, the new FCS college football champions? One lucky person who guesses right wins that $25 gift card we give away every week from Sportsman's Warehouse. On that note, it's time to go. But until next time, do take care, God bless, and make it a point to spend some time outdoors.